Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and today I'm going to be joined by a very special guest and a, a friend of mine. We're going to be joined by the one and only Noah Magarro George. Noah, how are you doing, sir? I'm great, Joe. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, yeah. It's always good to have you on because, I mean, you're a plethora of knowledge when it comes to what's going on with the pulse of, of Spurs Twitter here. And uh, not only that, but around the NBA as well. Uh Let's go ahead and dive in and like talk right away about, you know, the elephant in the room. And that was the NBA draft that just happened recently. And much to uh, the dismay of many Spurs fans, which are now divided after they've all had a couple of days to sit on the draft picks. They're starting to come around a little bit, you know, to Joshua Primo and Joe Weisskamp. Uh, I was kind of taken aback when the Spurs went ahead and drafted the youngest player in the NBA draft in Joshua Primo, who is only 18 years old. I'm like, wow. He must have really impressed the Spurs, shown him something. Um, you know, when they worked him out, might have had a, a good basketball IQ. Uh, they probably loved the, the his maturity level for his age. Uh, and not only that, but his shot-making ability. There was something there that really impressed them that told them that they cannot pass on this young man. He was projected to maybe go a little bit further in the draft. Maybe I've seen some drafts that had him high as high as going out, like maybe 22nd, 23rd. And there was news that some of the other uh, uh, teams, such as OKC, might have uh, wanted to pick him at 16. So the Spurs definitely surprised us all. Uh, Noah, um, what was your initial reaction <laughs> to them picking Primo? Yeah, I won't call it disappointment. I think it was more just confusion. Uh, as you know, I do a lot of draft stuff. Uh, I make a big board every year. And I have for the last three years. And I had him 31st on my big big board, rather. So I was sort of confused why they took him where they took him. He was a kid who I thought, if he goes back to Alabama for his second year, he's easily a lottery selection if he ends up going on the trajectory that he had shown from high school to college. And I think it's important to remember with him that he's a guy who has played up to competition every year. You know, he, he left high school early. He reclassified so that he could play college basketball as a 17 year old, as a 16 year old, he played on the under 19 Canadian team. So he's always been playing at a level of competition higher than his age. And that sort of bodes well for his NBA projection. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've, I've come around to Primo. I'm, I'm willing to give him a, a chance, you know, at this point, it is what it is. There's no use in saying, oh, there was other talent available, but we already know what happens when you're in the NBA draft lottery. A lot of these players just don't pan out at the next level. Um, you know, Houston, everybody was, you know, raving about what Houston did in the NBA draft, giving up some of their picks, you know, making trades, you know, and, and getting uh, uh, what looks like on paper, good quality picks. And Spurs fans are like, why couldn't we be more like Houston? Houston's gambling right now, and I think what the Spurs are doing is they're playing the long game, and what this signifies by them going ahead and going after a player like Primo is they're looking to go ahead and, and restock them their, their, their uh, talent pool right now for the future because we know that free agency is coming up. We don't know what players are going to wind up returning to the Spurs as far as our veterans. We don't know what's going to happen with DeMar DeRozan. This way, you're going ahead and, and playing that long game, the safe bet, in case something happens, you have talent that you can go ahead and insert at some point in time, whether it's through, you know, you're going to have to develop them through the G League and, you know, or going ahead and just full on youth movement and putting them in there and do the fire. <laughs> we, we really don't know what's going to happen at this point. I just think what the Spurs did was not sexy, but it was smart. What do you think, Noah? 
Uh, there, I mean, there's several ways to look at it. Uh, obviously, the first one is that they reached for a guy, right, who most people had projected as an early second rounder, late first rounder. But then you can also look at it from the lens that you mentioned earlier. You know, there were rumors that OKC wanted, OKC wanted to move up to 16 and take him. And, you know, he was the Spurs guy. They wanted to ensure that they got him. And even though that offer was on the table from New York for 19 and 21, if he's gone at 16, doesn't matter that you got 19 and 21. You just missed out on your guy. And I also think it's really, really important to think of it through this lens as well. If the, like, like I said, if this guy had gone back, he would have been a lottery pick next year. But there's no guarantee that you were going to get into the lottery next year and pick this guy, right? There's no guarantee that you're going to get him. So you want to get him right now. And I can admire the Spurs for doing that. And now they have full control of his developmental track instead of him going back to Alabama. Maybe he gets minutes. Maybe he gets more touches. Maybe he gets more shots. Now you can control everything for him for a year. He doesn't have to play right away. And he could be someone who, if they do move on from somebody then maybe he does play right away. So I think that's a, a very interesting way to think about it because if the Spurs really believe in this guy, like we must assume they do because they took him at 12, then maybe they made the right decision and, and they've drafted so well over the last two decades that I, I tend to trust them, even if I was a little confused at the outset. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and trust them as well. You know, I know a lot of uh, Spurs fans were saying that they need a fire Brian Wright and I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, it was a whole gamut of of emotions. I know I was like, doing the NBA live stream just as you were, <laughs> Noah. And I went back after I, I finished my live stream to go and check out the replay of what you guys were doing. Uh, and it was hilarious because <laughs> you just really had a loss for words. You were just everybody else's reaction. I saw Nick. I saw Mac. I saw Ty. <laughs> Ty had his hands on his mouth. He's like, what? And everybody was like upset. And then you were just like sitting there <laughs> like dumbfounded. What? What just happened? You know? And my reaction was like, I need a minute. Like, what happened? You know, so I, I get it, dude. But at the end of the day, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Either Brian Wright's going to be a genius and have us all eat and crow, or this is not going to end well, you know, and we're going to come back and look at this was the moment when everything went bad. You know, <laughs> you know that kind <laughs> of scenario. <laughs> but it's funny to me, Noah, how. When you look to see what's going on as far as how they graded the Spurs draft picks in drafting Joshua Primo and Joe Weiskamp, which we're going to talk about a little bit, let's first talk about the grades that they handed out. I looked at CBS, and you know, after the the the, the draft had occurred, they went back and graded all the teams that drafted, and the Spurs they have them at a C plus. The Ringer, they have them at a C minus, and they did not have kind things to say about the Spurs. Word for word from the ringer, they put, have the Spurs lost their, their touch? They took a dramatic risk with taking Primo uh, here, who was number 27 on their big board. Primo looks the part of a 3 and D wing, and he also displayed go-to scoring, ups, uh, go-to scoring upside with occasional dribble jumpers, but he's still extremely raw, and that's the thing. He's extremely raw, and he's 18 years old. I mean, what do you think about the draft grades? that they handed out as far as the ringer and CBS. I think to a certain extent it's fair because just from the outset or you're looking at it like, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's the same reason why you saw my reaction. I was on my phone. I was <laughs> sort of processing it. I didn't really know what to think of the pick because he is a guy who I understood. Like, again, he's probably going in the lottery in 2022 if he stays, but that doesn't mean you need to take him in the lottery in 2021, a year ahead of time, but he was their guy and I can applaud them for taking their guy. And to a certain extent, that that grade is fair because you really don't know what Joshua Primo is. For me, from what I saw from him at Alabama, he's 
a great spot-up shooter. Shot 44.4% on three-point attempts as a freshman, which was really good. He had some movement shooting. He shot off the dribble a little bit. But the things that he struggled to do and that they're going to be betting on him to do at the next level if they want him to become that go-to scorer is he's going to have to figure out how to blow by his man. He's going to have to increase that burst because he does not have a good first step. He's a pretty average athlete. He's got the same vertical jump as Keldon Johnson, which also measured pretty average at the combine. He's smaller than Keldon Johnson. The only thing that I can see in terms of his measurements, his hands are huge. He has the same size hands as Kai Jones, which that's pretty incredible. He's also just 18 years old. He's 6'6", 6'11", wingspan. So you could be looking at a guy who continues to grow sort of like a Giannis. And I'm not saying he's going to be Giannis, but if this kid (laughs) continues to grow, he's 6'8", puts some weight on continues to grow in terms of his wingspan. You're looking at 7-1 wingspan, maybe. That could be a really interesting player for a guy who's 6-8, 7-1 wingspan with an interesting skill set. But in terms of the self-creation, the dribble package was there in flashes, but it wasn't consistent. But his role wasn't really consistent for him to be doing that either. So he's sort of an unknown, and I guess the Spurs really like what they saw. Reportedly, they liked his self-creation upside at the combine. They liked what he saw in the workouts in terms of him being able to hit players cross-court on passes, really be able to show off a vision that he did not show at Alabama. And all that package with the shooting, the age, they loved him. So I can't blame him for taking a guy that they love, even if I don't understand it. Yeah, like I don't understand it. But, you know, I'm coming around (laughs) to it and I'm just like, oh, well, let's give the kid a chance, see what he's got. You know, he's 6'6", 18. He can still grow a couple of inches. You know what happens. So when it's all said and done, maybe the kid's going to wind up being 6'8", 6'9". And he already has a pretty decent wingspan. Can you imagine if he grows a little bit more? Wow. He's going to be playing more like a a seven footer out there. So (laughs) there you go. You know, they're going to the Spurs are going to look like certified geniuses, but we'll see how this pans out. Let's go ahead and talk about the next draft pick. The Spurs selected at number 41, Joe Weiskamp. Uh, They drew drew a, a lot of comparisons here on Spurs Twitter. I was looking at some of the arguments there and a lot of fans liked Luca Garza at that position. And and I understand, you know, the similarities between the two. You have Luca Garza, who's at 6'11, 260. Um, you have, you know, Joe Weiskamp, 6'7. Um, he's 21 years of age. I don't know what his stats are as far as his weight goes. But at the end of the day, the Spurs went ahead and went with Joe Weiskamp. And I can understand why. You know, he has shot making ability, his ability to shoot the three. Um and a lot of Spurs fans also went ahead and put out stats there, Noah, from some of the other, you know, draft scouting reports. And they stated something unkind, like his biggest uh, con is he can't play basketball because they had him scored low in some of the other uh, abilities, you know. But if you look at some of the other uh, draft uh, scouting reports, it wasn't that bad. The kid, as far as his athleticism, I'm looking at NBADraft.net. They gave him an eight, size nine, defense eight, strength seven. Quickness, seven. Leadership, eight. Jump shot, eight. NBA ready, eight. Ball handling, six. Potential, seven. Passing, six. Intangibles, nine. You know, so on the big board, they had him at going at 48. At the 2021, as far as the mock draft goes, they had him going at 40. So the Spurs taking him at 41 was a smart decision, and I think everybody kind of predicted that that would happen. Uh, How are you feeling about Joe Weiskamp, and did you have anything – as far as the comparables go, as far as Luca Garza, which one did you like better? Yeah, well, I can let you know right now, I'm not a very big Luca Garza guy. <clears throat> He's not a guy whose game really 
projects to translate to the NBA. He was a big score back to the basket score in college, but the number one thing that there's that they're going to be able to do to expose him in the NBA is his defensive ability. He has next to no lateral mobility. He doesn't backpedal very well. He's not a good vertical athlete. He's got average length. So you're looking at a guy who's going to be exposed in the pick and roll consistently. If he's ever switched on the smaller player, that's barbecue chicken. That's going to happen all day long. They're going to score on him. And unless he can continue to stretch the floor like he did at Iowa and really be a go-to scoring option, which is something he does not project to be, he's the end of a bench big. He's a guy who, if you want to be kind to him, he's an Ennis Cantor at his, at his best maybe an Ennis Cantor with a three-point jumper. So I'm not high on him, but I am high on Joe Wieskamp. I really like Joe Wieskamp. He's one of my favorite players in terms of their second-round projections. I wrote an article about which players they should be tra- targeting in the second round. He was third out of all the guys that they worked out. And le- let me just say, this kid can shoot the ball 46.2% from three-point range this season. That's insane. He's an elite catch-and-shoot th- threat. He shot 51% on catch-and-shoot triples this season. He can shoot off the move. He can shoot off coming off screens. He's a good standstill shooter. The number one thing with him is just going to be defense. He's not a very good defender at this point. His feet are kind of slow despite him having good vertical athleticism. He measured 42-inch vertical at the combine, but you're looking at what he does. He's not particularly physical. He can get back down pretty easy. Players can drive through him pretty easy. He took some strange angles on closeouts, didn't recover too well. So there's some things that he's got to get better at, but he admitted that himself and he said he's committed to working on those things. So as long as you've got a good foundation, you want to work, then I I trust them to make the most out of Joe Wieskamp. But I also sort of have a soft spot for Joe Wieskamp. He was the first person who I talked to during the pre-draft process. He was the first person who let me know that they worked out with the San Antonio Spurs. So I'm rooting for him to succeed. I really like him. Yeah, I think Wastecamp uh, is going to be a very solid addition as far as a role player goes. I don't predict that the kid will ever be that NBA all-star talent, but I think he can be a very solid uh, role player here in the Spurs system. So I'm looking forward to seeing his development, much as, you know, Joshua Primo as well. And speaking of the development, you're going to have a first look at both these young guys uh, going into the NBA Summer League. I know the schedule was just released. Uh, Can you give us a little bit more information about what's going to be happening, I think, believe in Utah and in Las Vegas. Yeah, so they're going to be going to Utah Summer League first. I'm not going to be at Utah Summer League. I'm just going to be at Las Vegas. But Utah Summer League, it starts on the 3rd. So I guess literally in two days, these kids had to pack up, come to San Antonio, meet the staff, meet the executives, meet their teammates, and then they're headed off to Utah. It's going to be the 3rd, the 5th, and the 6th, I believe. Those are the three days. They're going to be the San Antonio Spurs, the Memphis Grizzlies, and then two separate Utah Jazz teams. I'm not sure how that's going to work exactly, but they're going to play uh, sort of round robin, and at the end, whoever has the most wins, I think, ends up taking home the crown. But I'm really looking forward to Summer League in Las Vegas. That's where all 30 teams are going to be there. Executives are going to be there. All the prospects are going to be there. And even though, you know, earlier I had said that Luka Shamanich isn't expected to play at Summer League, he is going to be there. He is going to travel and watch the team at the very least. So I'm excited to see all these young guys interact with each other and play because this will be our first look at them. And I think they could have a really, really good-looking summer league team. You've got Trey Jones, Devin Vassell. You've got Josh Primo. You've got Joe Wieskamp. There's some really good players. And Daquan Jeffries. Like, they're going to have a really good summer league team, and we don't even know the rest of the roster yet. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing. We don't know yet. So I guess they're going to be uh, sending stuff out probably via social media as it gets closer to, to summer league. But it's crazy how they have the, the teams that you're playing. It's like Utah, 
the blue team, you know, and it's like, <laughs> the, you know, it's like there's just Utah, but it's a different uh, difference in as far as the team that they're actually rolling out because they have a red team. They might have a blue team or what have you. And this is what you're going to do in summer league. You're going to be playing against draft picks. Plus, you're going to be also playing against some practice squad members that are going to come out and do their due diligence too. Could could be, you know, players from the G League that trickle down here into the summer league to get some run to see, you know, what they're what they're made of and show the coaches what they can do. Possibly being fighting, maybe fighting for a spot on the G League, you know, <laughs> so fighting for their lives. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens all the time, you know, with the G League and not only looking at the San Antonio Spurs, but also looking at our competition in the West and seeing how well their young players are developing as well, like the Houston Rockets, Dallas Mavericks. We're going to see what's going on with the Nuggets, the Lakers, you know, the Clippers. So if you want your first look to see what the the young talent pool looks like for some of these uh, heated rivals, there you go, Noah. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, the Houston Rockets sort of were lauded as the big winners of the draft, and I firmly believe in that. I liked Alperin Shingun in that range. I thought that was an appropriate range for him. Same thing for Garuba. And of course, Jalen uh, Green being the third pick, that's a guy you got to see. He's electric. He was absolutely killing it in the G League last year as an 18-year-old. So we're going to get our first look at some young talent across the league, not just with the Spurs, but the Spurs have some good talent as well. Uh, aside from the names that I mentioned, you've also got Anthony Mathis is going to be going there. And he was a sharpshooter for that G League team last year. And I think they're going to need him this year. So it's, I'm excited to see how they sort of stack up because they could make a deep run in this G League. Uh, or not this G League, but the Summer League uh, sort of championship thing. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, you know, you named one player in particular that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. And that's Luka Samanich. You know, I want to see how well his development has come along. You know, I know Spurs fans have been unkind to him. You know, he just his second year. They wanted to see something out of the kid. And I'm like... He's coming from overseas for one. He's getting used to the Spurs system, which notoriously you need at least two seasons to get used to the Spurs system out there on the court. I think he did a, a really good job in, in showing his growth from where he started in the beginning of the season and where he ended at the end of the season. Spurs fans started coming around to Lucas Samanich, not all of them, but most of them. And then you're going to get to see another look at this young man in summer league. I got my eyes closely glued to one Lucas Samanich. Do you think his development uh, should be there come year three. You know, I, I'm not 100% sure. I want to stay optimistic for him. He showed some nice flashes in the G League. He looked good when he first came back when he was replacing guys like Devin Vassell and Rudy Gay because they had COVID midseason last year. But unfortunately, we're not going to get a look at him, or at least I don't believe we're going to get a look at him in the summer league. He is still sort of recovering for that, from that hand injury. Um, from what a source tells me, they don't expect him to play at summer league, though he'll be there with the team. And... Uh, you know, he just wants to be 100% coming into next season because this could really be his big break in terms of minutes, roll, touches, shots. Like, they want him to be 100% healthy. He wants to be 100% healthy. So you're probably not going to see him play at Summer League. But he will definitely be there. Yeah, he'll definitely be there. You know, and like you said, it's I'd rather have him at 100% and have him healthy than to risk further injury and then delaying uh, his his time with the San Antonio Spurs. But getting off of Summer League now, uh, can you tell us anything about what's been happening in NBA free agency, which is set to begin tomorrow, I believe on Monday? Yeah, so the the I guess you can start talking to players. You can't start making any sort yeah. of written agreements. You can't sign contracts, but you yeah, can not start until talking the second. to players. Yes, uh, I think it's 
The second is when you can start talking to players, but you can't make any deals until the fourth, I believe. It may, be, may yeah. even be the sixth. They're, the moratorium isn't lifted quite yet, but there's some interesting options out there. I'm not sure the Spurs are going to get that John Collins or Laurie Markinen or Kelly Uber. I know they've been linked to a lot of players, and certainly it would be interesting to grab one of those players. But we'll just have to see how it shakes out. I mean, Andre Iguodala just became an unrestricted free agent. He's not going to be with the Miami Heat, potentially. There are also guys like Campaign. I know they don't need to add another guard, but he's out there as well. If you wanted to chase him, a Bobby Portis, uh, there are a lot of guys who they could go chase, and they've got a lot of money. So we'll see what they do because they certainly have a lot of guards at the moment, and they need to fill out their roster because I'm not so sure that just Lucas Shamanich, Drew Eubanks, and Jakob Pertl are going to be able to hold it down all season. That's not a lot of front court depth. It's not, you know, and that's my my hopes that that's why they didn't draft a big, <laughs> you know, that Spurs fans wanted because they're probably going to go ahead and look to see if they can add that piece via free agency. Um, yeah, if you go and go after somebody like Collins, uh, it's being reported as you stated that more than likely they're going to work a deal out uh, where he's going to stay with the Hawks, um, and they're probably going to throw max money at him. Yes, the Spurs could do that, but at the same time, that's not really what they do, you know, so. There's word out on the street that they're looking at Zach Collins right now. And, yeah. you know, that's that to me is promising. Yeah, it's interesting. So I like Zach Collins from a skill standpoint. He can he can shoot a little bit. He's a pretty decent rim protector. He's got some good mobility. He's got some good athleticism. The only thing is he's never healthy. He's not been healthy since he came into the league. He's still really young. Maybe you can finally break the curse. Some guys are just unlucky with injuries. You know, they just get unlucky and then they figure it out later in their career. But with big guys... I tend to be a little more concerned because they're a little more injury prone. So we'll see. I like the addition if they can continue to add more depth elsewhere. Just because I'm, I'm not, I don't 100% trust him to stay healthy, though. I would be rooting for him 100% to be in San Antonio if he ended up signing with them. Yeah, I believe. What did he have? He had like a foot injury or something like that? I believe it was something like that. And he's had multiple injuries. I think lower extremity injuries of yeah. different degrees, different uh, varieties since he's come into the NBA. So you're just hoping he stays healthy. I mean, a guy like Joel Embiid was, you know, unhealthy, 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 and now he's fine. You know, now he plays a ton. He's an MVP candidate. So, you know, it, it's sometimes just a matter of getting into the right system, really getting your body nice and strong and, and sturdy and building up your endurance. So we'll see what they can do for him because I trust the Spurs uh, training staff for sure. Yeah, you know, one thing that intrigues me here is Bobby Portis Jr. You know, I kind of like his energy, uh, and I also like his defense. You know, he's a solid addition to that second unit. Um, if we wind up losing maybe Rudy Gay in free agency, uh, I wouldn't mind having uh, Bobby Portis Jr. How do you feel about that if we lose Rudy? Yeah, I like Bobby Portis. I think he showed that he can be somewhat impactful in the NBA Finals. He's a big energy guy. He's a way better three-point shooter than I think people realize. Now, I don't think the 46% he shot last year was indicative of how you know, good of a shooter he is. I think that's probably better than his actual shooting. But I do think he can hover around that 38 to 40% range, which is still excellent. And he's someone who, while he doesn't have a ton of versatility defensively, He's definitely going to give you the energy. He's got the measurables to be effective man-to-man -man for the most part on you know, guys you expect him to be, you know, threes and fours. So interesting from a, from a fit perspective, I think he would fit well, but it's just how much money does he want? I, I don't think anybody knows how much money is he going to command. So we'll, we're just going to have to see that with a lot of these guys. How much money are they going to command on the open market? And are the Spurs willing to dish that out? Because they certainly have the money this offseason. Yeah, that they do. And they're going to have to use that money, uh, let's say, 
very savvy. They're going to have to be smart with that if they're going to want to add some assets because I think what's going to happen is that a lot of teams are going to wind up overpaying for veterans. Veterans are coveted. Uh, they're an instrumental part to any team, uh, you know, the success of any team moving forward, uh, even going, you know, to the playoffs. If you miss the playoffs like the San Antonio Spurs have uh, for the last two seasons, but you don't necessarily want to overpay for your vets. That would be make any bad uh, choice because you're going for a win now mentality and not good for the long green, the long run, the long game. Um, so let's see how, how smart the Spurs can be out there by <laughs> adding some veterans uh, to the team. I know that their Spurs fans are probably going to be upset <laughs> regardless of who they pick, you know, who they sign. Why didn't they sign this guy? And why didn't they sign that guy? We're not the front office. We don't make those decisions. And I'm glad we don't because can you imagine having that job, Noah? No, not at all. I think it's a lot harder <laughs> than the average fan realizes. And it's also important to remember, those guys have to want to come here too. That You yeah. can't just throw money at them and they go, okay, I'm coming. Like They have to want to be here, even if you want to pay them more than another team. It's possible that they would take less money to be in another market, be in a different roster. So those things are always things to remember when you're thinking about the Spurs, including trades. Like Just because they are not trading or signing does not mean they were not talking to people or trying to make deals. So... I think the Spurs front office needs more credit than they probably get. I think you're right on that regards. And as we start bringing the show to a close here, I'm going to ask you one quick question. What does your heart tell you about one DeMar DeRozan? I know that there's been a lot uh, over in, you know, you know, social media and on Spurs Twitter uh, about his comments that he made on the, you know, Club Shay Shay uh, <laughs> show that Shannon Sharp is doing. And what a name, Club Shay Shay. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, regardless, I mean, you you love the honesty that DeMar DeRozan always has when they're asking him questions. The guy's just being honest, putting himself out there. And he didn't really divert too much from when he came out on his other interview. You know, he kind of pretty much said the same thing. I know Spurs fans are, you know, they, they start getting a little upset because he says, oh, yeah, the Lakers want me. Hey, I wouldn't mind going back home and playing for them. But again, you have to have the want to. Things have to work out. You know, there's a lot of other uh, factors out there that that go into that. But at the end of the day, what do you think? Do you think DeMar is going to wind up leaving the San Antonio Spurs and going to a team that he feels has a good possibility to make a deep push into the playoffs and possibly get him that championship that he solely uh, does desire to win, you know? Yeah, I think it really is beneficial for both parties here, the Spurs and DeMar DeRozan, to part ways. This way, the Spurs can find out what they have in Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, Trey Jones. All those guys will get more touches. Keldon Johnson as well. So if they can find out what they have in those guys, it's more valuable than just competing to get in the plan. Because you look at this team, if they don't make another big signing or if they are not able to improve the roster, the way they drafted, they're still incredibly guard heavy. They don't have a lot of front court depth. They still would have DeMar DeRozan. And I think time and time again, it's no, nothing against DeMar DeRozan, but he cannot be your first option on a championship team. And if he really wants to win a championship, he'll probably look elsewhere. And so I think teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Dallas Mavericks, the New York Knicks, um, they all have interest in him. And I think the way that Bobby Marks and Mark J. Spears talked on the jump the other day, where they mentioned all those teams, and then at the very end, as a little side note, they said, but, but don't count out the Spurs. But to me, that seems like, the Spurs were the last ones mentioned because they're the last ones who are probably going to get DeMar DeRozan. I kind of feel the same way. I kind of feel like if he wants to go ahead and win an NBA championship now, um, it's going to be with another team. Unfortunately, he didn't sign up 
for a rebuild or, or a reloaded uh, phase in, in his career. And, and I don't really, you know, I wouldn't be upset with the guy. I would understand where he's coming from. At this point in your career, you still have a lot of ball left in you. And you who doesn't want to go ahead and play for an NBA championship? They're so hard to win. And if you feel that you have the right team and the right personnel in place as a player in free agency, you're going to want to go ahead and sign with the team who you feel is going to get you that NBA championship. So I think that's pretty much uh, where DeMar DeRozan's train of thought is at this point. So I, I appreciate the time that he did have here with San Antonio. If he decides to to sign with another team, even a rival, you wish him well. And, you know, hopefully he gets his chip, you know, wherever he decides to go. Um, as far as our veteran players here, we have, you know, the Spurs have to make a decision with Rudy Gay, which wasn't a fan favorite for a lot of Spurs fans, even though he did play, you know, solid basketball out there. He required a ton of touches, which I think was one of the uh, things that Spurs fans did not like. Uh, and you also have one Patty Mills who's out there as well. The OG left from the 2014 NBA championship squad who is looking all like FIBA Patty over there with the Australian team right now uh, for the Olympics. And the possibly Australia could give Team USA a run for their money too. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. But what do you think is going to happen with both Rudy Gay and Patty Mills come free agency? I think you got to let Rudy Gay walk again for guys like Luka Shamanich to sort of thrive. I don't think you're going to know what they are unless you move away because he is a guy who requires a lot of touches. He is a guy who takes a lot of shots. He is a guy who's not necessarily built for the modern NBA, at least defensively. I know that he played a lot better on the defensive end this year. They changed his role. He mostly guarded fours and fives. I don't think he's that switchable. I think he's losing athleticism with each passing year, which is fair. You know, he's in his mid thirties at this point. So you got to let him go. But with Patty, I think even if you don't plan on him playing a heavy amount of minutes, I think you bring him back because he's been with the team for a decade. He is sort of San Antonio's culture at this point from a locker room standpoint. But if he wants to go elsewhere, like we saw that the Boston Celtics are interested in Patty Mills, then let him go elsewhere. You know, if that's his desire, he wants to compete with a team that could make the playoffs, maybe go deep, has a nice solidified young core in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, then let him do it. But I would love to see him stay here and it would really hurt to see him leave. Even though I, the same thing with DeMar DeRozan, I would be fine if they did. You know, they've earned it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that Patty will wind up staying with the Spurs. I just think that there is that kind of loyalty um, from both parties at that at this point in time. Um, I think he's going to retire as a San Antonio Spur. I think he knows that his time is is coming to an end here shortly. Uh, but I think he can impart a lot of his you know Spurs knowledge onto this younger core, and I think bringing him back is instrumental to you know the Spurs growth as for for the future. So I would like to see him return, but it has to be at the right price. Again, you don't want to necessarily overpay for for some of these veteran assets, you know. So if the Spurs can get him at a good price, then why not keep him around? If he feels like he wants to go for another team that's going to pay him more and, you know, is more set up to to make, like you said, a better, better run in the playoffs, then, you know, you wish him well. And I'll be a fan of Patty no matter where he goes because – <laughs> you know, he 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 was the one that he was part of that team who brought us that last championship over here to San Antonio. And it's looking like it's going to take a little bit longer for us to get back to that promised land. I hope to see it before I pass on, Noah. Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll be competitive before then. <laughs> right. OK, Noah. So as we go ahead and bring the show to a close, where can they go ahead and follow you on social media? And can you tell us about any articles that you have coming up for Pounding the Rock? 
Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at N underscore Magaro, M-A-G-A-R-O. And as far as Pounding the Rock goes, I think I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break here right after the draft content. It has been a long, 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 long season, including the draft. I'm going to be starting getting ready for you know Summer League. So you'll probably see me writing some free agency stuff right leading up to Summer League. And then you'll see me doing something probably every single day once I'm at Summer League. So I'm excited for that, but I'm also excited to take probably just a two-day break. But it's a, it's a needed break, so... Uh, I'm excited to see what the Spurs do this offseason. I'm excited for Summer League. I'm excited for free agency. And I'm just ready to see the young guys ball and see what the Spurs do going forward because this is uncharted territory for a team that has really been a contender year in and year out until the last couple of years. Yeah, so make sure you go and follow Noah on on Twitter especially because he's going to be posting, you know, probably live coverage of of him in the arena and, you know, (laughs) what he can because, I mean, when you're there, you're there to work. And I know... When you're there covering a game, it's like you're all you're all in. So you're going to have your hands full and you're going to be tired from all that because it's going to be a, a gamut, you know, for you. So I, I completely understand. You probably weren't going to be making any appearances on on, on Spurs <laughs> podcast for a little bit because you're going to be busy. So we'll see you when you get back uh, from from Las Vegas to San Antonio. But for all the summer league coverage, make sure you go ahead and you do follow uh, Noah because he's a great writer. And I like the content that you have coming out. So I'll definitely be following you. You can also follow me, Joe Garcia, at Two Shots Podcast. And it's all spelled out, T-W-O, Two Shots Podcast on Twitter. And I'll be posting a lot of things uh, come up here within the next week or so. Because I'm kind of coming off of dealing with, you know, having to spend time with the family over the summer. Entertaining, you know, family that's come in from out of town unexpectedly. Because I hadn't seen them in almost two years because of COVID. So they took a, a long stay here and they took a, a big chunk out of what I wanted to do, but it was much <laughs> needed time to recharge, you know, and, and get back to family. So now I'm ready to get back to NBA basketball and just in time for free agency in the summer league. Also interested to see what's going to happen, Noah, with Team USA. I, I don't think it's yeah. going to be a cakewalk for them. And they got some tough teams coming up. They got France again. They got Australia and they got Spain, which are no slouches. What do you think is going to happen there before we sign off here? Yeah, it's tough. So the first game that they played, obviously they lost to France. They looked absolutely outmatched. They didn't look cohesive. The second game against Iran, that was just a clear talent gap. I don't think they played any better than they did the previous game. There was just a wide talent gap. Then you look at the most recent game that they played, and they actually looked like a team. The ball movement was really good. They were shooting well. They were playing defense with a purpose. They were making the right rotations. They were all tuned in. It looked like they bought into the San Antonio system that apparently does not work. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Can they carry that against a world superpower? Because it's not just the United States anymore. You know, you got France, you got Spain, you got Argentina, you got Australia, you got all these teams that are so good. And that is going to be the true test. It's not the Czech Republic. It's not Iran. You're going to be playing against a real superpower in basketball. Can they do it? I'm not sure, but I'm holding out hope because they looked a lot better against the Czech Republic. Yeah, I'm holding out hope too. So we'll just go ahead and watch these games. Whatever time they come out, they're going to be coming out (laughs) probably early in the morning or late, you know, so. That's that's tough too. Trying to cover these games, you know, with Team USA, uh, man, trying to stay up till around eleven, and you've had a whole day of recording podcasts or producing, and on on my end, you know, or writing. I mean, it's it takes a lot out of you. So, God bless us all, man, <laughs> for staying in the race. <laughs> all right. So, from Noah Magaro, George, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace.